Okay. This one, real fucking ugly. You see, I take these glasses off. She looks like a regular person, doesn't she, huh? Put them back on, formaldehyde face. of my being tells me that the awesome forces I have helped to create have been put into the hands of madmen! Podcast, new theme song, new season. Here on the Six Degrees of Retro Podcast on the Hollywood Greg Podcast Network. Thank you for coming back. We haven't been on the air for a while, and we are really happy to come back and do our show where we link six movies of a certain genre by either directors, producers, stars, you name it, my co host, the video vixen, and I will link them together. And we're going to have a whole lot of fun and educate you on new movies while we're doing it. Let's get the plugs out of the way really fast. You can listen to the Deep in the Woods podcast with Martin Z. Wender and I, also here on the Hollywood Greg Network. You can look us up at Blog Talk Radio slash Hollywood Greg, or just type in Hollywood Greg. Tell your friends. Link up to us on Instagram, on Facebook. You can also type in Hollywood Greg on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. We are broadcasting on all of them. My lovely co-host is already on deck. I'm here. Ah, there she is. I missed you. So, I know. I'm so glad that we were able to do this and get back together again and do the show. I'm super excited for this uh, this genre because it so fits in with what's going on in the world today. And I think uh, all the listeners will appreciate. Uh, we have a, the fine list of movies that we have collected for them. That's what we're talking this week. End of the world flicks. We're going to be a COVID free zone on this podcast. <laughs> All happiness here, all rainbows and sunshine, you know. Unicorns. Unicorns. But they're all going to be like evil because uh, it's the end of the world. So, sorry. A little (laughs) bit of gloom and doom, but no pandemics. (laughs) None. (laughs) Ladies first, let's get started uh, with your first film, your first end of the world movie. All right. Well, let's uh, hit the ground running with uh, my first pick, which was uh, The Quiet Earth from 1985. And it's uh, directed by Jeffrey Murphy. Um, Just to give a kind of brief overhead of what the movie's about, uh, this scientist named Zach Hobson, he wakes up one morning and discovers he's the sole survivor of a cataclysmic disaster 
caused by uh, this project he was working on called Project Flashlight. Um, he spends a few weeks alone. Uh, first, he's kind of enjoying himself. He's going to the mall, buying, or well, not buying. He's just getting whatever he wants and getting whatever car he wants. Uh, he's doing pretty okay for a little bit. But then he starts going crazy because he's all alone and has no one to talk to. And he has this tremendous guilt because he was involved in this project that has decimated everyone. He's, he's the last man left alive, right? But then just when he's about to end it for himself, he discovers two additional people. So now – He's, he's no longer alone, but he's got some other issues he has to deal with because uh, there's a love triangle, and also he has some concerns about further effects from Project Flashlight. He's seeing, like, in the world, like, there's definitely things are still happening as a, a result of this experiment. I love movies like this, and they're always fun. I've loved these kind of plots since I first saw, you know, The Last Man on Earth episode of Twilight Zone with Burgess Meredith, of course, and the books and then oh. his glasses break. There's a right way of doing these and a wrong way of doing these. And the movie you're mentioning, Quiet Earth, definitely does it right. It builds enough. The person has his you know, alone time, he has his sanctuary, and everything seems to be going well until, dun, 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 you know. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. Uh, What I love about this movie, um, and I was so glad that um, this topic actually gave me the opportunity to watch it again because I hadn't watched it in years. And when I say years, I mean like decades. It's been that long since I'd seen it. And from the very beginning, I just immediately fell into that awe that I had the first time I watched it. It's, on the surface, a really simple movie, but there's a lot going on, and there's only, like, three characters, uh, which that puts a lot on the actors. And I feel like uh, Bruno Lawrence, who's the, he plays the scientist, he does an amazing job carrying this movie for the first third, right? It's just him. And he's fantastic. Even when he's not talking, just him interacting with this new environment. And then um, when they bring in um, Allison Rutledge and Pete Smith as the other two people, there's a complexity there. But if you wanted to watch this film on one level where it's just like, okay, there's three people left and how are they going to proceed, you know, with, how the environment's changing and the fact that there's only three people left on earth. You can watch it in that way, but then there's like, there's these really interesting dynamics going on with all three characters. And it's not a very long film, but you get a lot of depth with these three characters and it turns into more of a, you know, there is a character study going on, but the science fiction part of it is also, um, really intriguing so it's just it's just got these layers to it which i love and for anybody who's seen this movie uh the thing that strikes you is the ending and i won't give it away but it is just it's it is 
awesome to see. Yeah, I wouldn't blow it either. What I'm really glad about is I was able, to, we were able to find a clip of one of my favorite scenes of the movie that I hadn't watched it in God knows how long since film school back at Columbia College Film School in Chicago decades ago, 20 years ago. And I just remembered the speech in it that the lead character gives. And uh, I'm going to play for our listeners right now. I have dedicated all my scientific knowledge and skill to projects which I knew could be put to evil purposes. For the common good, they said. How easy to believe in the common good when that belief is rewarded with status, wealth, and power! How hard to believe in the common good when every fiber of my being tells me that the awesome forces I have helped to create have been put into the hands of madmen! I've been gay by the bottom of my own corruption! Is it not fitting then that I be president? Of this quiet earth? I've been condemned to live. Now, if only the president uh, of the United States these days could speak that eloquently, huh? <laughs> if only. If only. That is such a powerhouse scene. Uh, it, it's just, it is magnificent to watch. And I agree with you. It is, uh, for me, that's the best scene in the whole movie. It's short, but it really, it, it, it's a punch in the gut. It's so good. Definitely. Yeah. Let's move on to my first movie, to the long, long sci-fi film series, Trancers, which has stood the test of time. Uh, we haven't seen a new one since 2002, but I was really hoping maybe it would get revived. Maybe somebody out there can uh, bring this series back. It stars Tim Thomerson, the comedian, but he went on from doing stand-up comedy and became a you know, good genre actor, ended up in a lot of movies in the 80s and 90s. And this was his series. He plays Jack Death. The plot line is pretty much a cross between Terminator. You have your Blade Runner. Those two kind of put it together. It takes place in the future. It's uh, about as 80s as it gets fashion-wise. And it's directed by Charles Band. It's from Empire Pictures which kind of says it all. Most of Charles Band's movies have the exact same aesthetic to them. And uh, Jack Death has to track down uh, uh, Trancers. Jumps back and forth in time. That's why it's like Terminator. He has to jump into the future to uh, 
save the world, capture these trancers. There's a, he has to take over the body of this guy. And uh, Helen Hunt is the love interest. She's young. She pretty much was right off of Girls Just Want to Have Fun with Sarah Jessica Parker. A lot of zombie killing, a lot of fun. I was so glad that this was one of your movies. Um, believe it or not, I have not watched this whole series. The only one I've watched is the second one. So this gave, and it's I think it was because of Mystery Science Theater or Rift Tracks or somebody did an episode on the second Trancers movie. So uh, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember Trancers. That was really fun. And now I'm going to get an opportunity to watch the first one. Uh, I wrote in my notes, Blade Runner and Terminator had a cocaine and tequila-fueled one-night stand. Trancers would be the baby. <laughs> it sure would be. <laughs> it's like if you take those two movies, but you got to add some stuff, and then you come up with Trancers. Yeah, it's really fun, and it's great because I watched it with somebody that hasn't really watched a lot of 80s uh, genre movies, and she was just like, this is so 80s, and it is, and it's really fun. <laughs> it really it, is. It, it, it has just everything that you want. Um, it's a mishmash of, as I already said, three different movies. They they blatantly rip off other sci-fi movies and they're done in a cheaper way and mm-hmm. but in a lot of ways it, it cuts to the chase and does it better whereas Blade Runner you know it takes an hour to get to one point <laughs> beautifully yeah. this is a with lots cut. and lots of lots and lots of scenery this they don't have the money for scenery so the plot moves and moves and moves and moves and just keeps going and uh you can like tell in it's... the first five minutes mm-hmm. of this movie, and I looked because I was like, whoa, within five minutes, Jack Death is fighting that elderly waitress Yep. that's a trancer. <laughs> and yeah. but did you notice that she's wearing Converse high tops? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, first of all, he's fighting this old lady. And second, she was, I guess, planning on hitting the basketball court after work. <laughs> I'm not sure what was going on with that. But, yeah, uh, I, I'm so glad you picked this one. It's, it's yeah, a lot of tell, fun. Telma Hopkins shows up as, the, um, as the, one of the scientists that helps him out. Uh, you've got just pretty much a uh, treasure trove uh uh, uh, people in the first movie, but then we we have to mention there are six films to this series. This started in 1984 and then went all the way through 2002, and it's just unbelievable. Helen Hunt actually came back because you know her star what? rose, and she came back. Yeah, I I haven't seen five or six, but apparently she shows back up in number six. So. <laughs> Hey, <laughs> I wonder if she's still wearing that Confederate flag jacket. Oh, <laughs> I didn't notice that. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it, because it's an 80s film, I totally pay attention to 
everything in the background and the the uh, wardrobe and stuff because you know that's that's my golden era, and mm-hmm. her character is like this punk rocker chick, right? And I noticed I was like, oh, that is a cool jacket. And then she turned around and I was like, oh, it has a Confederate flag on. <laughs> yeah. Since we've you know <laughs> revealed all the uh, you know problems with that in the world, they sh- were revealed long ago, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. can you say? I think it, well, if this was a Disney movie, they would have totally like done something with that flag. Like that would have been I don't know what they would have turned it into, but it definitely wouldn't have been a, a Confederate flag anymore. So yeah. Amazon yeah. Prime didn't uh, care. That's where I watched this. No. Actually, no. Sorry, I watched it on Two B TV. If anybody a we don't have sponsors on this show yet, but if you have Tubi TV, T-U-B-I TV on your Roku, it's amazing. You will find every old genre film rotated on there over time. It's a free plug for them. They had every Trancers film on there. And if you can get what? to there, yeah, Video Vixen, they're all on there wow. for free. You just got to watch them with a few I commercials mean- and you're good to go. <laughs> I need to get that in my life. Um, I watch it on uh, Amazon Prime, but uh, hey, I'm willing to add one more service uh, to all the other ones that I'm already using if I'm going to get more, you know, especially the older content, which is, you know, what I really enjoy. Uh, So sounds like a move I need to make. I almost uh, put on my list class of 1984 and that's on there, and they also have class of 1999. So, if Ooh. those, you know, yeah, they have them both on there. Um, so let's play the trailer and give one last plug for transfers. I'm Jack Death. I'm a trooper in the 23rd century. Jack Death, Angel City PD. May I see your stats? What did I do? Under Section 7 of the Penal Code, the Council authorized me to administer you a transfer suspect examination. You can't give me a TFE without a warrant. I got your warrant right here now. Okay, okay, okay. I don't want any trouble. Well, that's My job is hunting transfers. I got nothing to hide. Finding them. Negative. And singeing them. Look out! Of course, sometimes they find me first. Then it's a little more complicated. How do you know Whistler's location? We monitored a line disruption in Los Angeles, December 1985. And Zant, Ash, and I all had ancestors in the city then. If you think I'm bringing that scum up the line, you got the wrong trooper. Unless you stop Whistler. Everything the council has accomplished in the last 40 years will count for nothing. Okay, let's say I believe this. You're a cop from the future and you're chasing this guy, Piper. Whistler. Why doesn't he just turn you into one of these zombies? Or me? Trancing only works on squids. People with weak minds, easily controlled. Lena, I'm from another time, another world. I don't even know what you people eat for lunch. Okay, I got fried rice, egg rolls, and beef chow mein. Beef? Like from a cow? I thought it was rough in the 23rd century. 
didn't know how hot it could get. Jack? How's my tan? It was getting hotter all the time. Jack? I guess I just attract a certain element no matter what century I'm in. I gotta run now. I wanna ride with the ladies. Over here, Ashby. Thomerson, I didn't talk him up enough. Like he embodies his character from the get-go, owns it. He is this total like Philip Marlowe wannabe, but he, he Jack Death is just he, he's him. I mean, he's his own yeah. like personality, like a Buckaroo Banzai, if you will. Just it's him, and that's why there was a whole series made. Just it's it's this whole persona. And you just really get sucked in by he owns this role, he owns these movies, he owns, you know, this whole, you know, it's it's its own genre, pretty much. I, I look at it that yeah. way. So yeah. <laughs> I wondered if you did you pick this? Because like when I was watching it, I immediately thought, uh, you know, did Greg pick this? Because it really has this strong um, kind of undercurrent <clears throat> of love for the city of L.A. There's oh yeah, it's so L.A. It's so yes. L.A. And like you know, in the beginning, when Jack finds that Sunset Boulevard sign when he's out like diving for artifacts, I guess, uh-huh. uh, and he finds that sign, and then you know they they're in Chinatown, they go to Skid Row, they go to that punk club. Uh, it's just, it's kind of like a mini love letter uh, to, you know, 1980s LA. You kind of hit the nail right on the head. The only thing I can add is uh, Cahunga Street. Oh, yes. (laughs) She goes, you mean Cahunga? Where were you? Because he uh, comes into the person's body, her lover, and uh, she's like, who are you? You, 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 driven on that street every day what the hell are you talking about and that speaks to me so much trista because when i lived here for the first year in la back in 2000 Uh that's all i called it was kahunga street or some other (laughs) version of it and people go what street you mean kahunga yeah you got to hit the huang in there you got the huang and the huang the huang and then you're good so uh that's how you tell the the locals Yeah, that's that's how you tell the locals from the tourists. They look up at that, that sign and they just get, you know, tongue tied. So uh, let's move on to I'm going to let you go first to separate my wrong plot from the right plot that I uh, just screwed up briefly. And I'm on the right page. Uh, our next two films, both of our films, 
when I was looking at our list, the way they melded together, uh, we have a uh-huh. few crossing of the streams here, so to speak. And both of these films are what I like to call wasteland movies. Very road, yeah. ro- road, road warrior-esque and even road runner-esque. Yep, exactly. But warrior-esque, <laughs> end of the world where everything's fucked. You're out in the sand. You're out in the ruins. All the everything civilization is screwed, very planet of the apes, you know, old buildings stuck out of the ground. And this genre has been done to death. But we both picked really good ones. And I'm going to let you go first because yours is the raw and, uh, you know, kind of less serious and a lot more fun one. Cool. Um, So. Uh, my next movie is connected uh, through Bruno Lawrence, who starred in The Quiet Earth. Uh, my next movie is called Warlords of the 21st Century, or as it is uh, also known uh, as Battle Truck. <laughs> uh, I love and that. it's from 1982. Uh, it's directed by Harley Cokeless. And uh, Cokeless, I. I I would like to think that it, it should be Coke full. Uh, yeah. But, Every okay, 80s movie was made with a lot of Coke involved, whether it be the producing, the directing, the writing. Yeah, go on. Yeah. So um, this one was filmed in New Zealand, and uh, it's one of the, you know, as we just talked about it's one of the many post-apocalyptic wasteland movies that appeared um after the success of mad max um and i think the road warrior was released like the same year as battle truck and it takes place after what is known as the oil wars and people are basically fleeing from the cities to the countryside what i liked about this film is most of the people that were in it were people I didn't know. Um, but it stars James Wainwright as this evil mercenary leader named Straker. And Annie McEnroe plays his uh, daughter, uh, Corley. Uh, John Ratzenberger, way before uh, Cheers, he stars as Rusty. And then we have, <laughs> I have to admit this, my my significant other came up with this term, but we called him the Xana dude, uh, Michael Beck. <laughs> oh, come on. Michael Beck is the Xana dude. Did he show up the in uh, roller skates? Was he in roller skates in this movie? No, no. Well, he has wheels. Um, he's ah. like this street hawk type of guy uh, who, you know, comes in basically and, you know, he's this loner who comes in and saves the day. Uh, and on his special like motorcycle, the battle truck is like this uh, weaponized vehicle that the bad guys use to travel around and raid and occupy these other settlements. It's a fun, you know, futuristic action film. Uh, like I said, it's filmed in New Zealand, so the scenery is gorgeous, um, and it, it makes a really nice contrast to the violence in this movie because the violence is very realistic with you know people just getting beaten to a pulp and shot down and a lot of rape and pillage happening which you know gives it gives it a nice balance i would say i mean movies of this genre they all 
tried to kind of one up each other on the violence and the weirdness and just how far does it go? Wreaking havoc, you know, mayhem, craziness, killing. And these movies would come on at, you know, one o'clock in the morning when everybody's just Mm. lost it on booze. So, you know, yet another, (laughs) you know, fine late night, the video vixen and, Hollywood Greg highly recommend watching this film as late as possible. And especially now that none of us know what day it is, you know, you can kind of watch (laughs) movies, you know, around the clock. It's great. I agree. Let's play the trailer, which is really awesome for this movie. There are only the warlords. Warlords of the 21st century. They know democracy. It takes a new kind of hero to battle the wave of terror sweeping the land. Hunter may be our only chance. Your time is over, old man. For the warlords, death is a way of life. Where are we going? I'm going to kill There's always a way to fight. This is the battle that could blow the future apart. Warlords of the 21st century. God, I love trailers from back then. Blowing the future apart. And (laughs) death is a way of life here at Six Degrees of Retro podcast. I think we both agree, right? Yeah. Yes. That is a way of life. Uh, one little thing to to add uh, for the listeners. Um, so Warlords, I I was calling it. It's like another jewel in the crown of New World Pictures, but it's like a small jewel. It might not even be a real one. It could be like a cubic diazoid, but still, it's part of New World Pictures. And uh, like they gave us Death Race 2000 and Death Sport. So if you like those two, I feel like you would enjoy this movie. So let me try this again. Hey, <laughs> Video Vixen, um, let's yeah. talk sex bots, huh? <laughs> I would love Take to. Take two. Cherry 2000 is my link to transfers through the fine, fine, as I've already, uh, you know, uh, worshipped at the ground of Tim Thomerson. Uh, he shows up in a bit part in here, but uh, the main plot of the film is poor old Sam Treadwell. He's living in this futuristic world where you have to go to clubs. Uh, when you show up to those clubs, you have to make a transaction for your relationship. Basically, what sex acts you're going to do, how your relationship is going to go. Uh, in this movie, Larry Fishburne shows up. Uh, it's the Goo Goo Club. And Larry Fishburne plays one of the lawyers. There are multiple lawyers at these clubs, and you need to make a transaction in order to even touch, look at, make love to a woman. That's how oversexed society he's gotten in the future. And you're not going to get any unless you, you know, pay for it. Like, for real, so to speak. Um, <laughs> and that's the way the future goes. Well, there are sex robots. You can get around it. And uh, Cherry 2000 is a model of sex robot played by Pamela Gidley in this fine film. And uh, Sam Treadwell uh, owns her, played by the great David Andrews. 
um, who I'm just going to get my worship of him out of the way because I, growing up in the eighties, I watched a lot of eighties sci-fi TV and the very short lived, I don't know if you're going to remember this one, uh, man and machine. Have you ever heard of this one? Oh, I don't know this one. Man spelled M A N N like the movie theater chain and machine Yancey Butler, uh, played a robot in that movie. And he was a cop that was paired with a robot and it was a Dick Wolf series that only lasted nine episodes. Uh, didn't even make it the whole season, but for some reason, uh, David Andrews ends up in movies series where he's paired up with a female robot. So <laughs> kind of a strange wow. trend for an actor. Yeah. Um, he's been in tons of other things, but it was just, uh, when I saw this movie um, a long time ago and I revisited it this time, I was like, wow, wait a minute. This hits a chord. Um, so anyway, his uh, sex robot uh, short circuits in the weirdest way. Um, a uh, dishwasher, whatever, washer, clothes washer, something uh, overflows with suds and he's making love to her on the, getting the nasty on, on the floor. Trista and <laughs> now she short circuits. Now he's owned her for a long time. You know, but I, I, my first thing was he hasn't tried this in the bathtub. He hasn't tried this anywhere else. And now as a fluke on the kitchen floor, little shoddy writing there, but uh, it's funny. And it, her head, you know, cocks, I'll, you know, she short circuits and he's all disappointed, takes her to the repair place. The memory is intact, but as they said, the chassis is screwed. So, well, it was screwed and now it's really screwed. So <laughs> yeah. In comes plot line number two. He goes to find a tracker to go find the cherry 2000 robot because they're extremely rare. They've now cheapened out on the sex robot market and all these crappy whore robots or, you know, <laughs> that it's not as realistic. They don't have the personality. He fell in love with this robot. And so we get this plot where he finds a tracker played by Melanie Griffith and she has to go to zone seven all the way out in the wasteland which turns out to be old Vegas to find a sex robot in the sex robot junkyard. What a plot. I mean, sounds amazing, yeah. right? Well, unfortunately it's an Edward Pressman cheapo eighties movie and it was supposed to be this huge hit. And especially Melanie Griffith uh, had just come off body double. And uh, I think this was just before working girl or might right around the same time, you know, her star was on the rise and this movie mm -hmm. just, I remember seeing it at the Davis theater in Chicago and it played one week. And when a first run film showed up at the Davis theater in our neighborhood, you know, it was screwed because nobody else Ooh. wanted to distribute it at any of the major chains. Um, but it's fun. You should definitely watch it. Listeners, uh, Melanie Griffith, you know, she's a little shaky in here. Uh, not, she's trying to play tough as a tracker, as a bounty hunter, and, uh, eh, you know, God bless her. Yeah. Uh, looks hot in her red hair. Uh, they, uh, 
after seeing her boobies in uh, body double like a gazillion times. Uh, no nudity in this one, guys. Sorry. But uh, um, lots of fun roles. Uh, uh, David Andrews is really good in there. You uh, have, uh, of course, Tim Thomerson plays one of one of the many oddballs they run into. Uh, first story, and then they end up in a western town to find. He ends up there to find a bounty hunter, and Tim glory Thomerson hole. is there. Yeah, the glory hole. <laughs> <laughs> I figured I'd let you tip that one in. <laughs> you gotta love a Western town called the Glory Hole. I mean, come now. Uh, yeah. And then once he gets out in the wasteland, he's looking for uh, six fingers. This guy, and uh, um, he ends up in he ends up at Lester, who's played by Tim Thomerson, out in the uh, which is old Vegas, and he's basically the czar of. Uh, What's left of this, all of the buildings and the casino, you know, casinos sticking out of the sand. It's just really fun. You got to get it. You got to get into it. You got to kind of lean into it hard. And once you're into it, um, you know, Six Finger Jake is played by Ben Johnson, one of the many old cowboy actors. Harry Carey Jr. shows in there also. So, I mean, the director hasn't really done much. Uh, Steve D. Genart, uh, you know, and for good reason, because the movie died, unfortunately. So uh, what did you think of this one? Um, so uh, there's a couple of things. I, I remember watching this movie. For some reason, it used to come on on Sundays, like Sunday afternoons. It would be one of those movies that they would show a lot when I lived in Texas. Not sure why, but it was popular. Maybe somebody <laughs> at some TV station just was like, I like this movie. I'm going to play it. Because I think it was on a local station. Uh, for a really cheap movie, and I mean, it's you can tell it's cheaply made. They put a lot into, like, I feel like the costumes and the set design was really cool. Uh, I loved Glory Hole. That was to me like that setting, that uh, what that old west town was pretty interesting. All the characters hanging out in that saloon with those wild fucking outfits on, it, it, it was bizarre, but it was bizarre in a, in a fun way. Uh, and I also liked uh, Tim Thomerson's uh, compound that was it was called Sky Ranch, and it was like kind of this weird uh yuppie stepfordish type of place is the best that i could could describe it like when they were doing that barbecue and they're all wearing those they're all wearing their shorts and they're like uh printed button down like collared shirts and uh, it, i don't know it, it, there's a lot going on in this movie and i wish it had been more successful, but I'm not just going to blame the director because I hate, I mean, I'm not trying to come down on this girl, but I've never been a huge Melanie Griffith fan. And in this movie, I was like, why did they pick her for this film? I know. Uh, she looks amazing. She, I mean, she looks gorgeous and her car is like super badass, but she does not have the acting chops to carry the role that she's supposed to be playing. And I just 
suffered through her, like her, anytime she had to speak, it reminded me of somebody just like reading the telephone book out loud in monotone. Is I know. In my mind. Every she single time she had to deliver a tough line, like a tough girl line, she did not have that Charlize Theron going on. She had, you no. know, it was like, it was like, hey, uh, let's go kill some people. Let's go kick some ass. And you're like, oh, shit. You know, <laughs> Come on. <Yeah. laughs> it, it was awful. But the only yeah. time I noticed, and maybe this is just her female instincts coming out, coming into play. The only time she seemed really believable is when she was like <laughs> robot shaming Sam about yeah. looking for a cherry 2000. Like she yeah. seemed believable in that moment when she's like cutting him down. Like that's a fucking robot. You're doing all this for, it's not a real person. You know, yeah. kind of thing. like that part really resonated. She, she delivered that, those couple of lines. Um, yeah. Uh, she, she just, I wish they had cast somebody else because I, I think this could have been, um, um, this movie could have performed so much better and I, yeah. I mentioned the Stepford Wives because this movie makes me think of that. Every, every time I've watched it, I've always had this parallel in my mind about, uh, you know, men choosing an android woman over a real woman. And, you know, this movie is taking place, you know, in a post-apocalyptic world. Like, it's like in this wasteland. And I was thinking, I wonder if part of the problem is uh, is is the world in such a bad shape because men just don't give a shit about women anymore? And I think if the end of the world really came, it would be because there would be no more human race because all the men would just choose to go with robots and not have to deal <laughs> with a real woman. The answer is yes, right. and uh, it's happening right now in the world, yes. And that's all I'm going to say politically. <laughs> Thank you. Um you mentioned the Sky Ranch, and you just uh, hit the – you always talk in the right direction of where I'm trying to go. And the scene I wanted to reach was we were talking about your Warlords film kind of having these you know rough scenes. Tim Thomerson picks up a gun after they find out you know somebody's infiltra- – a tracker has infiltrated their Sky Ranch little – compound and he the guy's hammered and he goes hey you got to put this bag on your head and as a target drawn on <laughs> and i was just like <laughs> fuck okay and my significant other who was watching with me she goes is this really going to happen i go i sure as hell hope so and <laughs> bag goes on the head they handcuff him to a wall and then he picks up tim thomerson's character lester picks up a gun and he's going to shoot him in the head and he goes, Oh no, that's too easy. And he picks up a crossbow. <laughs> yeah. It, it just gets better. <laughs> Blam. Right in the head. Arrow guy goes down. Everybody cheers. And you're like, fuck, you know? Yes. It's this, uh, you know, like very, um, you know, uppity, you know, upper crust. They are trying to keep this upper crust stuff, you know, alive in their little happy existence out in the wasteland. But nope, we're still going to shoot in the head with an arrow if you infiltrate us. Sorry. 
Yeah. <laughs> we're still barbarians, so, god damn it. You know, that's those it. Those are just the rules. <laughs> those are just the rules. I love it. <laughs> Let's play the trailer for Cherry 2000. In the future, the world has survived. Romance has not. All right, so we'll say a dinner, complete sexual encounter, optional episode in the morning, right? I gotta run this past my own lawyer. Pleasure is strictly business. But it will be possible to have the perfect mate. A Cherry 2000. Looks great. Thoughtful. Desirable. She'll never run out on him. Just short out. Sorry, kid. Total internal meltdown. Now you got her basic memory right here. Vocal patterns, verbal, whatever. Basic voice. Don't look so glum. Your chassis is out for the count, all right? You got the chip. You go in, you pick yourself out a new model. You slide it in the slot. You got yourself your girl back in a brand new frame. Give me a call if you find a Jerry. Jerry 2000. Look, my friend, you're going to be a very old man, round in the middle and bone dry before you find one of those amazing parts. That's a chance I'll just have to take. Then, the adventure begins. Why don't you hire a tracker to end Zone 7? Oh, we got a policy against trackers in these parts. Nobody goes into Zone 7. They got one of the original warehouses down there. Girls stacked on the shelves like pies. I'm looking for someone to go into Zone 7. I'm E. Johnson. You're not going to find anybody better than me, mister. I'm not a machine. Do you know where they keep these babies? We call it the graveyard. It is the worst place in the zone. Well, maybe I can get in there and find this thing, but I need somebody riding shotgun in order to make it out in one piece. I want you to chase those birds till they drop. If you think it's tough to meet the right people now, wait till you go looking for a Cherry 2000. Oh, her acting is spectacular. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, my God. It was killing me. We're going into the graveyard. Damn it. You know. Not her genre. Not her genre at all. So we're going to jump quickly. I'm going to go next because then our two films, when we mention them, are going to have this other crossing of the streams that uh, I saw on our list when they came through. Um, Brian James, the great Brian James, uh, plays one of the characters that's in the glory hole bar and tries to roll our lead character, Mr. Treadwell and uh, doesn't do it successfully. Very small part, but that's the link I am taking into our next film. The great Luke Besson masterpiece, Luke Besson's finest American film, the fifth element. And just let's talk about women that you just said, red haired woman, horrible actress for the role. Then you have Lilu, for goodness sake. Uh, like this woman's greatest role, Mila Jovovich, 
just knocks it out of the park as Lilu. You have Bruce Willis, of course, as Corbin Dallas, trying to save the world, trying to find the four elements to save the world. And she's along for the ride. And great sci-fi, amazing characters, amazing special effects. He ends up on this trip to, uh, they, they fake this vacation trip that the two of them are supposed to be taking as a couple and to go find the elements on this huge space ocean liner. Uh, no COVID on this ocean liner in the future. Thank God. And uh, everybody knows this movie. If you haven't seen Fifth Element, you goddamn better find it, stream it, enjoy it, love it. Um you have Gary Oldman in here as the evil overlord. You have um, the clip I'm going to play, which Chris Tucker playing Ruby Rod in the role of his career next to probably Rush Hour, but just his most flamboyant, fun role as this uh, Ruby Rod, this radio personality, this intergalactic celebrity, uh, kind of speaking already to the Kardashian thing, you know, a star without being a star, just being a personality it spoke to so many social things, this movie, and stayed very true to the um, sci-fi genre. You got to have your action in there, your evil overlord. You're trying to save the world. Just this movie is so chock full of awesomeness. It's, it's, I, I could go on for an hour about this movie, and I have a feeling you worship this movie as much as I do. No. No. I hate to say it. Oh, here we go. I know. It's last temptation of Christ all over again. Here we go. Go, go, go. (laughs) Do it. Do it. Everybody in the world's going to hate me. (laughs) Because everybody I know loves this movie. I'm scared. (laughs) Don't be scared. You're the video vixen, damn it. You have the right to your opinion. (laughs) You you are allowed to be a contrarian on this film if you want to. And do it. Go. Now. Go. Okay. So I remember when this, <laughs> I once heard someone refer to this movie as the fifth excrement. And I was like, Man. I agree. Like, I love this cast. I mean, everyone, you got Gary Oldman, Bruce Willis, Chris Tucker, Ian Holm, you know, Brian James, uh, you would think nothing could go wrong, but I absolutely hate this movie. Uh, Mila Jovovich, uh, her hotness is not enough to make me like this film. I just, I don't get it. It, it just doesn't resonate with me at all. I wanted to strangle Chris Tucker. I would have easily killed him uh, if I could have, just with my. You're gonna eyes. love my like, clip. You're going to love my clip. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. Ruby Rod, I was just like, no. Like, he did this movie, but he wasn't in any of the Friday sequels? Why? But, I mean, I I did write in my notes, um, Chris Tucker did redeem himself this same year uh, because he was in Money Talks, and I fucking love that movie. Great movie. Great movie. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. Fifth Element just doesn't do it for me. Although, I got to say, Tiny Lister was better as a president than the one we have right now in real life. So, well, yeah. That's one yeah. thing it has yes. going for it. Yes. 
<laughs> yes, Tiny Lister is is the president of the of the world United States, whatever it is, you know, world leader. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of vague. Um, it's very sci-fi. Yeah, I, I didn't tell what he was the president of, but I was like, okay, he's a supreme being of the galaxy or something. I don't know. But when but Tiny Listener shows up in a movie, you just watch. He's amazing. Yeah. Just come on. <laughs> come on. Damn it. He got me. Here's a s- small story. He got me my first byline in Fangoria magazine when I was writing for Variety. I caught wind. A f- producer friend of mine was shooting a horror movie down at an abandoned insane asylum and slash prison uh down in uh, Carson, California. And I always wanted to write for Fangoria. And Tony Tamponi sits there and goes, you write for Variety. Why the fuck do you want to write for my magazine? I go, because I read every issue that ever existed. And it's my dream to write for you. And he's like, pay you, you know, what you want. I'm like, the pay is for me to get my byline in your magazine. And, and Tony Lister, it had... Um, three or four other genre guys and he hadn't even heard of the movie he goes okay if they're in that movie if Tony Lister's in there if uh, there were two other actors in there that were big genre actors at the time he's like okay I went 3,000 words you know in two weeks okay and I had my first byline ever in Fangoria and I was probably happier about that byline than my first variety byline (laughs) strangely enough (laughs) Growing up in the Midwest, loving horror movies. So, yeah. All right. Well, oh, let's cool. let's for crying out loud play the Fifth Element Ruby Rod clip so we can uh, <laughs> let you hold your ears. You got your fingers in. All right. Yep. Fingers in. Here we go. Mr. Ruby Rod, it's a big for here to start it out. It's a great honor to be on this talk show. So yes, I'm sure you're very excited, but I'm on my vacation. I don't want to be bothered. I'm going to remain anonymous. Here he is, the one and only winner of the Gemini Crockett Contest. This boy is fused like fire. So start melting, ladies, because the boy is hotter than hot. He's hot, hot, hot. The right size, right build, right head, right on. Right on, right on, and he's got something to say to those 50 billion pair of ears out there. Poppy D-Man. Uh, hi. Unbelievable. Wither, ladies, wither. He's going to set the world on fire. Right here from Poppy you know everything there is to know about that D-Man. His dream, his desire. It's most intimate of intimate. And what I'm looking at, intimate is this stud muffin's middle name. So tell me, my man. You nervous in the dirt? Not really. Freeze those knees, my sweet. Because Herb's in the place and he's on the case. Yesterday's frog will be tomorrow's friend of Drop Down Paradise. <laughs> A hotel of a thousand and one follies, lollies, and lick lollies. A magic fountain flow of non-stop wine, women, and... All night long. All night long. All night. All night long. All night. Yeah, right. All right. <laughs> Fingers out. Wow. 
Wow. Fingers out of your ears. Wow. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Fantastic character. Oh, come on. All right. Well, let's be good. Since everybody knows this movie, they know the next one too. But what was strange is this act, Bruce Willis, lead in Fifth Element, has been in so many goddamn end of the world movies. Just the list yes. goes on and on and on. And we have three of them. We're going to give all of you a uh, three Pete, since I don't want to think of a Bruce Willis threesome. We're going to say three Pete of movies here uh, <laughs> on six degrees of retro. Well, unless you, unless you want to, you know, I don't want to speak for you, Vixen. If you want the three sum with Bruce Willis, that's on you. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I told this story on one of our earlier episodes. He is the only famous person that I've ever had a sex dream about. Well, here we go. <laughs> so I, uh, in my waking life, I acknowledge he's charming and he does have charisma and I find him ruggedly handsome, but I don't think of him in that way. And then I saw uh, Unbreakable and I had that dream and yeah, he's the only famous person I've ever had sex with in a dream. So there's <laughs> wow. that. I'm, I'm going to go with the threesome. I'm going to roll with it. Two bald heads. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. Anyway. <laughs> um... Let's move on to your next film since it's the second one in our series yeah. of three in the Bruce Willis threesome. So uh, this movie is connected by uh, producer Lloyd Phillips. And uh, the next one on my list is 1995's uh, 12 Monkeys, uh, directed by Terry Gilliam. And uh, once again, I feel like this is a movie that everyone has seen, but we might have some, you know, younger listeners out there that haven't caught up, like caught this movie yet. Um, it is perfection. Uh, this movie is like 10 stars. If you're a, one of those people like me who rates everything on IMDb, this is a 10 star movie. Um just a little overview, uh, a convict from the future is forced to travel back in time in order to stop the spread of a man-made virus that will wipe out humanity. You don't so say. That, yeah, you don't. Never happen. That could never happen. Never <laughs> happen. Sorry. Go on. <laughs> Just, yeah, totally unbelievable. So, like, from this pretty basic the standard premise, you get one of the most, I feel like, the most entertaining sci-fi mindfucks of all time. Like, you watch this movie, like, once it starts, you don't take your eyes off of it, and then when it's done, you are thinking about it. Like, it it really messes with your mind. Uh, everybody, like, all the actors are great. Like, Terry Gilliam doesn't fe- fuck around with his his cast. Like, everybody is at the top of their game, even if they're in a really small part. It's like everybody's trying to win an Academy Award. But this movie is the Bruce Willis and Brad Pitt show. They yep. are the reasons to watch this because they are just, they are transcending the material. It is amazing to see. 
Terry Gilliam finally, even after Brazil, you know, got money and got stars. This is the one mm-hmm. film you have Fisher King and this where he got stars and Hollywood yeah. like let him do what the fuck he does. And he never, you know, after this one, that, that this and Fisher King, can you think of another Terry Gilliam film where they, you know, gave him real stars and let him, you know, run wild. I can't think of one. Uh, well, not Hollywood stars anyway. Right. Right. My, I'm talking A-list. These are A-list stars that agreed to be in this movie. And, yeah, you have two of the greatest of the yeah. time. Love the material. He got the flaunted. They got the flaunted. It's really fun. You can't go into the plot too much because you'll give away too much. No. It's kind of like the movie Fight Club. If you go in too far, then you're going to give away the whole joke, so to speak. Yeah. And it's just fun. It's so much fun. And it's funny that you said, you know, it just like keeps going and keeps going. I remember my date, we were at the drive-in and she went to use the restroom and she came back and she's like, explain it to me. And I said, good luck. I said, well, I'll have to tell you later. <laughs> I'm like, I can't describe what happened in the last 15 minutes of the movie. Not quickly. No. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's good sci-fi where it's just cramming it down, moving, 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 moving. moving. I, I love this movie so much, and it, it's such a um, unique film. Uh, just you'll so laugh, much. You'll cry. Yeah. yeah. You'll, like, you'll hurt your brain because you yeah. will be thinking. <laughs> You will oh, yeah. like, question existence as you know it. That's kind of the it in a nutshell. It's it's a hardcore mm-hmm. movie, man. All right, let's yeah. uh, let's play some promotional material here from Twelve Monkeys. You're a very good observer, Cole. We have a very advanced program. Something very different. An opportunity to reduce your sentence considerably. And possibly play an important role in returning the human race to the surface of the Earth. No license, no prints, no warrants. But he took on five cops like he was just into the eyeballs. What year is this? What year do you think it is? 1996. That's the future, James. You think you're living in the future? I'm simply trying to gather information to help the people in the present trace the path of the virus. We're not in the present now. This is a place for crazy people. I'm not saying you're not mentally ill, all for all I know you're <laughs> crazy as a loon. The army of the 12 monkeys, they're the ones that spread the virus. Monkeys. You've been living in a meticulously constructed fantasy world, and that world is starting to disintegrate. You haven't become addicted to that dying world? No, sir. He needs help. I think I'm crazy when people start dying next month. I don't belong here. You're here because of the system. I know some things that you don't know. Yes, my son. You sent me to the wrong year. You're certain of that? Science ain't an exact science. You had a bullet from World War One in your leg, James. How did it get there? I don't know. You're a trained psychiatrist. You know the difference between what's real and what's not. You said that I had delusions. You said you could explain. I'm trying to. I want the future to be unknown. I can help you. Get you out. Don't even try. We're all monkeys. The thing mutates, we live 
underground. They're watching you. I just want to do my part to get us back on top in charge of the planet. Hey, kids out there, guess what? Here's how you know it's a good sci-fi movie. From the trailer, you don't know what the fuck it's about. (laughs) I'm serious. Think of how many sci-fi movies you've gone to see, and the trailer doesn't give away much, and you're just like, okay, I'm going to go check this out. And eight times out of ten, it'll deliver. It really will. And 12 Monkeys is one of those where... You can't infer a lot from the trailer. It gives a few basic plot points and then, meh, you know, what am yeah. I going to get? Then you're, you know? Honestly, I went going to see this movie. I didn't even know what it was about when I went to see it. So that just made it, uh, I mean, well, it wasn't like the trailers were telling you anything. So you just go in blind and you get way more than your money's worth. Like I rewatched this uh so we could talk about it and I clapped after the movie was over. I'm damn like, right sitting in my bedroom watching it uh you know on VHS of all things cuz I have I still have my VHS copy from Get way back out of town. Oh, and I love it. I just applauded. It, it's so good. Oh, man. You just mentioned VHS. I want to give another little plug. I've been, uh, because of uh, not working, I've been watching a documentary, a movie documentary every day. And one of the ones I've watched was called VHS Massacre. And there's Uh tons of VHS documentaries on uh, Prime for free. And you kids should watch this because... VHS was amazing, and there's so many films that haven't seen the light of day and people that collect them that are out there. And if you got your ass a VHS player and grabbed some of these movies, you would see so many original, fun, weird, cheap, bad movies. Oh, just unbelievable. Anyway, moving on. (laughs) Back in the day Uh, when you could just pick a movie – that you'd never heard of just by looking at the cover of. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got burned a lot of times, but a lot of times I also found things above and beyond my expectations. Gold, pure gold, some Friday nights, some Saturday nights, pure gold. Oh yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Let's talk Armageddon. So the next movie of our threesome of Bruce Willis movies, is, of course, the Michael Bay classic. I call it schlock classic. Even though it's a blockbuster movie, it's schlock. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, you have the usual cast of characters of a Michael Bay movie shoved into a completely new crazy plot that Michael Bay always comes up with. This time, it was very popular. There was the movie Deep Impact that was in development that was a meteor heading towards the earth movie. 
And then you have Armageddon, which is the not scientific at all, having space <laughs> uh, vehicles bounce off of fucking space rocks, insanity. I still, Trista, watch this every holiday. I drive my family insane. It'll be on some cable channel, and I'll go, oh, oh, wait, it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon on the 4th of July or on Memorial Day or on Labor Day. I bet they're showing Armageddon on TBS or somewhere or TNT. Sure enough, there it is. And there's oh, God. Michael Bay's macho band of brothers going up with Bruce Willis to take uh, out this asteroid, you know, drill a hole in it, stick an explosive in it, you know, blow it up like a fucking, you know, uh, 4th of July, you know, M80, blam. It's just so much fun when you're cooking out and you come in and watch this movie and then you get the ultra, you know, big ending and theme with uh, uh, Aerosmith. Aerosmith. You know, yeah. Oh, God, yeah, I don't want to miss a thing. And, you know, <laughs> I, get, I, I get choked up and oh, it's just so stupid as hell. The only fault of this movie, and a lot of people might think I'm going to say Liv Tyler, she's actually fine as a love interest. The problem is Ben Affleck just, I don't know. I've never liked him in much. I think the only thing I liked him in completely was Mallrats because he was playing a douchebag. And I think in real life, he is a douchebag, you know, and uh, I think he wasn't playing too far from uh, what he is. And he just comes off as such a pussy D bag in this movie amongst your Buscemi's and your Michael Clark Duncan's and, you know, your Brian and all the big people. You know, you're huge actors. Um, I already know you hate this movie, I'm sure. Yes, I do. You know me so well. (laughs) I hate it. I watched it twice. And the only reason I watched it the second time was so I could remember how much I hated it the last time I watched it. So I could talk to you about it today. You didn't need to sit through it again, man. Come on. That's like PTSD. That is horrible. I didn't need to watch it again. I've watched it so many times, I know it backwards and forwards. And that's why I can be in the other room cooking three steaks and some, uh, you know, hot dogs and some pork chops on the grill and look in the other room. What scene is it? Oh, I know what's happening now. And then, you know, finish my barbecue and come back in. And my mother's like, you stuck me with this movie again. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And it's a holiday and. It's tradition, man. It's tradition, (laughs) man. Any other Um, hate you want to leash on this unleash on this movie, or are you good? Well, here's the the deal. Like you said, the cast is amazing, except for Ben Affleck. I never got that guy. He is on my list of stars with like air quotes around them that I just don't know why they're a star. I don't like him. Never have. Never will. Uh, yeah, he sucks. Warner uh, Brothers Studios every- needs to die. They made him Batman. Are you kidding me? It, it Oh, don't get me started on that <laughs> one. Uh, I was screaming. Yeah. Screaming, yep. literally. Uh, but a lot of people that I do love are in this movie. It's a uh... 
play the scene of the movie that um, Billy Bob Thornton's the genius in here that goes, hey, man, I know a guy and he can blow up anything and he can drill into this asteroid, you know, <laughs> and every one of these, you know, disaster movies. And they're like, even going back, I, uh, there was a movie called Meteor with uh, Sean mm-hmm. Connery for crying out loud, which was boring as paint drying. Uh, but there's been lots of these, you know, disaster movies. And there's always the uh, guy that comes up and gets the ragtag yeah. group together. And uh, that's the uh, Billy Bob Thornton dude. He's like, I, I know a guy. And then, you know, Bruce Willis comes up, but I need all my guys. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. They all get to come too. Yeah. <laughs> so here Makes we go. Zero sense. It's enormous. 1658. And here is the anomaly of 1700. Enough with this anomaly horseshit. What is this thing? It's an asteroid, sir. How big are we talking? Sir, our best estimate is 97.6 billion. It's the size of Texas, Mr. President. Yes, yes, sir. Dan, we didn't see this thing coming? Well, our object collision budget's a million dollars. That allows us to track about 3% of the sky. Is this going to hit us? We're efforting that as we speak, sir. What kind of damage are we? Damage? Total, sir. It's what we call a global killer. The end of mankind doesn't matter where it hits nothing would survive not even bacteria my god what do we do we have 18 days before it hits earth you know drilling the science it's an art third generation driller doing it all my life and i still haven't got it all figured out i assume you sent for me because somebody told you i was the best well, I'm only the best because I work with the best. You don't trust the men you're working with, you're as good as dead. If you want to send these boys into space, fine. I'm sure they'll make good astronauts. But they don't know jack about drilling. What's your contingency plan? Contingency plan? Your backup plan. You gotta have some kind of backup plan, right? No, we don't have a backup plan. This is it. And this is the best that you could that the, the government, the US government can come up with? I mean, you, you're NASA for crying out loud. You put a man on the moon. You're geniuses. You're, you're the guys that think his shit up. I'm sure you got a team of men sitting around somewhere right now just thinking shit up and somebody backing them up. You tell me you don't have a backup plan that these eight Boy Scouts right here, that is the world's hope? That's what you're telling me? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Damn it. We're a little short on time here. Will you help us? All they got to do is drill. That's it. No spacewalking, no crazy astronaut stuff? Just drill. How many men were you planning on taking up there? We're sending up two shuttles, two teams. If I do this, I'm going to want to take my own men. You got it. So you're saying you'll help us? Yes, sir. Thanks. I love that I just played a clip that had the two lines of dialogue. It's the size of Texas, and all they have to do is drill both in the same clip. You're welcome. You're welcome, <laughs> ladies. Jeez. Can you get more macho than Armageddon, ladies? God, jeez. Wow. That's some dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> it's the size of Texas. Uh, well, you got you to gotta give it to Billy Bob, though. Throughout the entire movie, he is the picture of, like, I'm in charge. I'm the man that knows oh, yeah. everything. I think he spends, like, 90% of the movie in a control room type yeah. situation, right? Like, he doesn't get out much. 
<laughs> yeah. You know he wasn't sober during the shoot either. Thank God, you know. He's Billy Bob, man. Jesus, he can do anything. Was he was he with Angelina Jolie at that time? It was after, right? When he was wearing the vial of blood and all that. Yeah. Okay. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Moving on. You go on to your uh next uh movie. Next film. So I'm connecting this movie through uh, Terry Gilliam, and the next movie on my list is uh, Brazil from 1985, and I I, I apologize ahead of time to the listeners because, once again, uh, this movie, I don't want to go into too much detail because it'll ruin it, Uh, but I'll give you kind of an overview. So – A government employee in a dystopian society meets the woman of his dreams, but he, at the same time, becomes trapped in this kind of bureaucratic, totalitarian nightmare, all because a fly landed in some machinery and caused a clerical error. So Terry Gilliam. It's so Terry Gilliam. Happens. Yeah, Yeah. just a tiny little thing happens that has major repercussions. Um, Jonathan Price uh, stars as uh, Sam Lowry, and he's the hero of the tale. Um, But once again, it's got one of these amazing casts where uh, you've got Robert De Niro, Catherine Helmond, uh, Ian Holm, Ian Richardson. Isn't Ian Richardson like a sir now? Yes. He might be yeah. a sir, but this was I think before he was a sir. I think um, all Michael actors Taylor. I think all actors that have the name Ian get to be sirs automatically. Just like Ian <laughs> Holm. I think all of them from birth like on what day would you like to get your uh sermonship from the queen? Uh <laughs> when I'm like fifty, fifty five. Okay. Yeah, we'll schedule always it now. Around that time. Yes. Um but yeah, everybody's amazing in this. Uh, I where to begin? Um, this film is on so many so many people's like it's like either a movie you need to watch before you die, or it's in the top ten sci-fi movies, or it's in one of the best films ever made. Period. Like it is, it's a masterpiece. Um, it's dark. It's surreal. Uh, it's it's really funny, but also really frightening. And then, you know, it's Terry Gilliam, so it looks like visually stunning. Uh, I can't. Put, I'm I'm almost like at a loss for words to describe how amazing this movie is without giving away too much uh, that's that takes place in the film. Just like Salvador Dali. If you're into art out there, he has his own insanely unique style. And Terry Gilliam, in every one of his films, even though he's an auteur, and it's very similar from film to film of his, he has this surrealistic quality that, when he's especially given a budget, is insane. I remember seeing Brazil at a screening room with Ebert and Siskel and back of me in Chicago, and Everybody walked out, and they had the same reaction that you did, Trista. 
Ebert and Cisco looked at each other and they both were like, well, wow, <laughs> fuck. Okay. Terry finally got his movie, you know, where he got to do, this is pre 12 monkeys where, you know, plot really plays a big part and it just keeps going and going and driving and driving. Whereas Brazil is more of a fever dream, wistful, one scene floats into the next scene, which floats into the next scene. And then the more it goes on, then it gets intense. And when Robert De Niro shows up in anything, we know what happens. And he shows up yeah. as kind of a cat burglar type, right? And uh, that's a good way to describe him. And uh, yeah, we don't want to give away that plot either. It, it, with all these Terry Gilliam movies, you can't give away plot because – it's like an episode of Scandal or, you know, it just goes, there's 15 things happening in an hour. It just goes and mm-hmm. goes and goes and goes. But Brazil is a much more wispy film, I'd say, than uh, 12 Monkeys, which is like kind of grind, you know, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, and I actually, um, just watching these two movies like back to back, you're really struck by that, like how um, 12 Monkeys is just so much more darker. And even though it's a fantasy film, it feels very real. Uh, in Brazil, it, you just get caught up in this fantasy world, but you're, you're pretty, like, you stay rooted in the ground. Like, you know, okay, this is a fantasy. You don't feel like it, there's anything realistic about it, but you you do get sucked in to this other world. And that's, what's amazing about it. Cause he does create this. It's an alternate universe that is just uh, breathtaking, I guess is the best way I can put it. And I've never yeah. seen it on a big screen. I would love to oh. have walked into a, a theater and, and watch this movie. Yeah. My, I, I, we saw it in the screening room which wasn't as good. I never got to see it like on a 70 millimeter screen or anything either. My God, I can't even imagine your head would explode, but we have yeah. good digital TVs now. So little, uh, 4k HD, you know, might help it yeah. out. Who knows? Oh God. I love Brazil. Let's, uh, play the trailer. Do you wake from your finest fantasy only to return to your daily nightmare? Is your mother about to look younger than you do? Does the woman of your dreams I love you. In my dreams, I love you. Still have a few doubts? Then it's time to take a stand. Break out of your dull, humdrum life and into Brazil. So pleased you could make it right this way. It's about rights of fantasy and the nightmare of reality. We're all in it together. Terrorist bombings. I don't think it involves anything unsavory. Hey, trust me, Jack. And late night shopping. True love 
You don't trust me? Trust you? Trust you? The man who hijacks my truck, loses me my job, has every security man in town looking for me? Of course I trust you. I was only trying to help. Yeah. And creative plumbing. There's a problem. Can you fix it? No, I can't. From Terry Gilliam, director of Time Bandits, Jonathan Price. Sam, what are we going to do with you? Robert De Niro. I came into this game for the action, the excitement. Go anywhere, travel light, get in, get out, wherever there's trouble, a man alone. Catherine Hellman and Michael Palin. We've always been close, haven't we? Yes, Jack. Until this all blows over, just stay away from me. Brazil, it's only a state of mind. We're all in it together, kid. I'm the head of the marketing department, and I want to kill Terry Gilliam because I need to make a trailer, and I can't describe the movie. <laughs> no. Seriously. Like, uh, the trailer doesn't do it justice. It, like, tries to tell, like, five of the subplots, and it's like, well, there's ten subplots, blah, 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 blah. You know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people listening out there, just if you haven't seen it, I beg you, like, this movie has to be seen to be believed. It is. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, I, I always call it the uh, hashtag get off my lawn attitude, but they don't make movies like this anymore, and they don't. And no studio would no. be caught dead making a movie like Brazil on the budget that it was made on just they used to make these and now they're not making anything right now, but people have to die like left and right and you know, all that. Anyway, moving on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will move on to my next film. The person we did not mention from Armageddon is the great, the great Keith David, not David Keith. There's a great <laughs> meme. out. Have you seen that great meme out there? No, it's, Keith David next to David Keith, and it says, never get Keith David mixed up with David Keith. You'll be in trouble. Uh, and I love it's, it. It's true. It is she don't want to do that. Far, two far different actors. <laughs> <laughs> One's vanilla, and let's just say the other one definitely is not. Um, so <laughs> what, would you add anything to that? Um, anyway... <laughs> No, I I had to, you know what? I mean, their names are just the two first names switched around, right? So uh, I just always think of the Lords of Discipline, and that's where I have my my David Keith come in Mm because I immediately think of that movie, and that's how I keep them straight. Yeah. I mean, Keith David, you know, so many great genre movies, and then gets – put in bigger budget movies here and there and Armageddon. He was one of the, you know, band of brothers, fantastic, you know, cast in that movie. And then he, his genre movies are always phenomenal. One of the best roles I feel he's ever had is I'm connecting him from Armageddon to a movie directed by John Carpenter that basically I hadn't watched it in probably 10 years and now it's frighteningly real. 
to what's yeah. happening in the world right now. Talk about dystopia, mm-hmm. my lord. Uh, they live with the great Roddy Rowdy Roddy Piper uh, wrestler phenomenon uh, and his partner Frank try to take on the uh, horribleness of the world that has taken over. Uh, these commercials are on the TVs that nobody knows about. Uh, people are being brainwashed and this drifter played by Roddy Piper comes into town and comes across this, you know, left-wing, you know, radical group and they're talking he hangs out as a at a homeless community and they're following this radical group and he comes across a pair of sunglasses when the radical group gets uh, taken down by the man, by the cops at one of their locations, one of their hideouts and his character puts on the sunglasses and when he puts it on, everything's in black and white in the most realistic, horrible way. Everything says obey and listen and, but sleep and, you know, that everybody's sheep and go along with the crowd and, uh, it's frightening when I was watching it. Uh, my significant other had never seen this movie growing up in suburban California. And she went, when was this made? I'm like, in the eighties. <laughs> and she's like, shit. <laughs> she's like, yeah, we're in this trouble. Now. And I said, <laughs> Oh yeah, no, this is now it's frightening how this is now. It really is. And, uh, you no know, small radical groups trying to fight the, the big machine. Uh, told time and time again uh, through sci-fi, but just John Carpenter's vision was in this was just so spot on. And this was during the Reagan era, the Ronald Reagan era, um, Reaganomics mm-hmm. and all of that. And back then, they were taking out homeless communities and uh, bulldozing them and doing all kinds of horrible things. And uh, Carpenter made sure this film got made. And uh, just go watch this movie if, uh, you know, all I have to say is don't be asleep. (laughs) Watch this movie. Um, It falls apart a bit in in the third act. You can tell probably um, it was put out by Universal. And usually in movies like this, they spend, I mean, it wasn't a big budget movie. But I'm sure they gave Carpenter a budget. And in a lot of his movies, like Escape from L.A., a lot of these movies, the effects aren't um, super up to par. And when you're watching it uh, now and you're very CGI savvy, be forgiving because this is an 80s movie. (laughs) But it, I mean, it ties it up okay, And it leaves it, you know, ambiguous. But it kind of falls apart. But. It's great, and it makes a really big statement about, I think, uh, what's happening now and uh, how a lot of people are feeling about the country right now. Uh, Have any uh, They Live commentary? Wow. Yeah, this is is a movie that's close to my heart. I've actually talked about this movie um, 
in a group forum uh, on another podcast called Film Cult because everyone loves this movie. Like everyone that's seen it, they love it. Uh, what's sad is that, you know, exactly what you mentioned, this movie was made in the 80s and all of the things that they're, I mean, it has a short runtime. I think it's like an hour and a half maybe. Uh, all the things that Carpenter is addressing in this movie, there's just not enough time to do it. So it's they're kind of like token, kind of like, all right, so there's consumerism, there's homelessness, there's, uh, you know, the failing economy, there's unemployment, there's police brutality, racism. He like throws all this shit in there and uh, without enough time to, you know, really address it all. But you get enough to know that, wow, shit is fucked up, and uh, you're hoping, you know, because you like these characters. Like Roddy Piper is amazing, and Keith David, I've always loved him. Uh, you you want these guys to come out on top, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it just – this movie went from being like a fun thing that I used to watch to hitting really close to home to like, okay, well, this is actually the world we're living in right now is how it felt like scarily. I I mean, obviously this was going on back in the eighties, but I was a kid. So I wasn't hip to all of that stuff. You know, as I got older, I could see where those tie-ins were, but now, you know, I'm like, shit, not much has changed. Or did we go in a circle? Like what happened? We went in a circle. It's pattern. Yeah. We, we got the, uh, Obama, you know, relief and, you know, mm-hmm. after the, you know, the Reagan Bush and then, whoop. I mean, I don't want to get into politics. Just you look yeah. out your window and the protesting and the way people are pissed off. It's the state of the world. Uh, no matter what side you're on now, if there are even our sides, uh, Keith David's character is so integral in this um, because he wants to stand on the sidelines and he is one of those characters that keeps telling Roddy Piper's character once he figures it, figures it out, even Roddy Piper's character, just to go back is like, you know, everything's okay with the world. You know, I'm an optimist, even though I'm a drifter, you know, the factories are closing, but something will come for me. Something will come. Mm -hmm. And then he gets on the construction site with Keith David and he gets them the job and they're working okay. And then once he sees the glasses, um, he tries to shove them down Keith David's throat. And unfortunately, we get one of the longest fight scenes ever in a movie <laughs> to this point of ridiculousness. And you know what, Carp, when I watched it this last time last week, I understand where he was going, you know, no matter mm-hmm. what. I'm going to make sure you look into these fucking sunglasses, no matter what, no matter how many times you run away. But I hate to tell you, John, three times running away was enough. We didn't need five. (laughs) And when it hit six, I was like, I know you want to show off Roddy Piper's smooth, you know, suplex moves. But come on. (laughs) It's a long That fight is so... So fucking ridiculous, and it's six <laughs> minutes long, I think. I know. And 
they're doing all these wrestling moves, but they're on yes. like concrete. So it's I like know. they should have died the first yes. time, you know, anybody mm-hmm. a- attempted one of those fancy schmancy moves. But no, they just keep going. Uh, yes. I mean, it's you just ha- you can't do anything but laugh. It does take you out of the picture a bit because I mean, it, it does. There there's humor throughout this entire thing. It ends mm-hmm. on a note of humor, but. This one scene, it feels like it came from another movie. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I I just laugh it off. It, it's it's kind of hysterical. Actually. It was it was you know Carpenter usually is tight because he has to stay mm-hmm. on a budget. I have a feeling. I've always thought this because Universal was the distributor on this movie. I have a feeling they were like, we have Roddy Piper. He's a huge wrestling star. We need to have him fight. And you know Carpenter, you know, turned in a print. And some asshole executive is always my theory. went, well, we need more Roddy Piper fighting in this fucking movie, you know. And he was like, <laughs> okay, I'll add another minute. And then they screen it again. And he's like, no, nah, not enough. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I want to find the young prick that, you know, ruined that part of the movie because – Carpenter would never have done that. I've always wanted it, to ask him that, but you don't walk up to one of the masters of horror and sci-fi and go, "So what the fuck was with the six-minute fight scene?" You just don't do it. It's it's bad no. form. <laughs> it's bad. Form. Yeah, and it's weird. I mean, people are very polarized by that because yeah, people who just love it, or people mm-hmm. who are just like, "Why the fuck did would they do this?" Like, I hate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm in the middle. I know it's friggin' ridiculous, but I enjoy it for what it is because, you know, I'm a wrestling fan, or I used to be back in the day. So yeah. to see Roddy Piper in a movie that was not Hell Comes to Frogtown, uh, that was exciting for <laughs> That's me. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I'm glad I kind of talked over that title. Do not see anything with the word Frogtown in it out there. Just don't. <laughs> Troll two, you can watch, but not Troll one. But you know, anyway, you know, certain yeah. titles and movies, certain words and movie titles, don't go see that movie. Anyway, um, I'm gonna play uh, a clip from They Live, which I love, and it's when his eyes are open, Roddy Piper's eyes. He puts on the sunglasses. And it's one of my favorite scenes of the movie because it's just his eyes are open. That's kind of it. It's a new morning in America. Fresh, vital. The old cynicism is gone. We have faith in our leaders. We're optimistic as to what becomes of it all. It really boils down to our ability to accept. We don't need pessimism. There are no limits. It figures it would be something like this. Our nation, our oh. Excuse me. You know, you look like your head fell on the cheese dip back in 1957. You, you're okay. This one, real fucking ugly. You see, I take these glasses off, she looks like a regular person, doesn't she, huh? Put them back on, formaldehyde face. That's what That's we got. enough out of you. Get out or I call the cops. Call the cops? You know what you need? You need a Brazilian plastic sword. I 
I've got one that can see. Tall, Caucasian male, doesn't appear armed, wearing sunglasses. I don't like this one bit. Not one bit. That's like pouring perfume on a pig. Suppose we settle down. That's far enough. Where'd you get those glasses? Tooth fairy. I'll bet. You got them. Think you saw shaving this morning? You look as shitty to us as we do to you. Impossible. It would be easier if we don't have to splatter your brains. Just take it easy. Hey, you stumbled onto something here. Maybe we can all benefit from this slight misunderstanding. Now, let's go someplace quiet so we can talk this over. That's right, formaldehyde face. Holy cow. <laughs> formaldehyde so face. Good. The best. <laughs> oh, my God, it's the best. Oh. All right, let's move on to your next movie. Okay, so... I'm connecting through uh, Simon Jones from Brazil to um, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, uh, the 2005 movie directed by Garth Jennings. Um, Okay, so here's how I feel about this one. Okay, this movie is based on a series of Adams by uh, a series of novels by one of my favorite authors, uh, Douglas Adams, and it's a story of how this uh, Earth Earthling Arthur Dent he gets saved from the destruction of the planet by his friend Ford Prefect, who he literally just finds out that day is an alien who's working on the newest edition of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh, so once Arthur and Ford uh, escape Earth, they find themselves in the middle of, like, one weird situation after another. Hilarity ensues, right? Um, well, unfortunately, don't forget about the inter- inter- interstate, why the world ends. Oh, yeah. The, the world is ending because they've decided they're going to put a hyperspace bypass where Earth is. So Earth yep. just needs to be demolished so the rest of the galaxy can get faster from point A to point B. That's right. Uh, the, the what This movie has some great things going for it, right? Like Martin Freeman and Most Death are in there um, as Arthur and Ford, and they're pretty fun. But uh, Sam Rockwell kills it as Zaphod Beeblebrox, who's like the newly elected – president of the galaxy and he was like to me one of the best things in the movie um we do get some voice acting from stephen fry and alan rickman and helen mirren like big names right so you would think this movie would be better but for me it's only sporadically funny uh because it just cannot do justice to the books the books are laugh out loud funny. 
Um, and then there is a, a BBC series that was made in the early 80s. I, I want to say 80 or 81. Um, there was a BBC series uh, that I would recommend you watch that as opposed to watching this movie. When I was growing up, I used to listen to Dr. Demento. Nobody knows who Dr. Demento is out there, you kids. He was this weird and wacky radio host. He was on Westward One, One Radio, syndicated through the country, based in L.A. Is he still on, or did he finally retire? I don't know. I don't know. Look him up, Dr. Demento. Anyway. He'd play all these wacky songs. He basically discovered Weird Weird Al Yankovic to all of you newbies out there. So that would be on the radio. Here's Greg's life in Chicago growing up in the 80s. (laughs) On the VCR (laughs) recording was Tom Baker episodes of Doctor Who, OG edition, BBC recording. So I could watch them the next morning because... Both of them were on at the same time, 11 p.m. Chicago time. It was like, this is torture, right? So PBS, WTTW in Chicago was running Doctor Who. And when Doctor Who, they put it on hiatus because they ran out of episodes. They needed to buy the new season. They put on, they said, we're bringing on a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And I'm like, wow. I didn't know what it was. (laughs) I hadn't read the books, but I'm like, it's British. It's got to be good. I'm young. That's my thinking (laughs) in Chicago. And the series was amazing. And just like Doctor Who, unfortunately, not on a great, you know, BBC never splurged on much. But no imaginative, just like Doctor Who original version with the special effects on a low budget, did a good job, really hit it home. And then, thank goodness, I wasn't working for Disney yet. But my boss, who I won't give his name, he, he, he loved the movie. He worked clearances on Hitchhiker's Guide Disney version. Well, it was produced by a British production company, but Disney had a lot of money in it. And, you know, I just think that I'm not going to say Disneyized, more Americanized. I have a feeling Mm -hmm. there's a cut of this movie that's really good. And I think too many American studio sensibilities came into play because you can see it in the movie where it's just about to be quirky and fun and British, which has a whole other sensibility and it just goes American. And you're like, fuck. Wow. Yeah. Well, it just, it just goes right off course. Uh, And I think even if I recall correctly, I think Roger Ebert just was like, this movie makes no sense. Uh, And I think, uh, I think that he is, is a good representation of how a lot of American audiences might have seen this movie. It's like, what is going on? Even mm-hmm. even though they tried to Americanize it more, I think it made it into a, a disjointed film. 
They should have kept yeah. it all in the realm in which it belonged, which was very British, very dry, not so much. It had some slapstick to it, but not as slapsticky and silly as what you get in this film. Yeah. Let's play the trailer. We're running a little uh, Time is the Tyrant on us. Oh. We have about 15 minutes left and two more movies to go, so... All right, let's, let's hit do the trailer. Uh, 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 uh. Arthur, what if I told you I was from another planet? Okay, I'm going to cut the trailer short because basically we said everything in it. Yeah. Is that cool? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather rush through my next one because the one you're going to dismount on is one of the more important films in this list. Uh, m- more on the they live uh, political tip than uh, all the other kind of fun, rollicking uh, end of the world movies we've been talking about. 2012 is my next one, and I'm uh, linking this through producer Larry Franco from They Live. 2012 is what we like to call in the industry Roland Emmerich's swan song. Roland Emmerich gave you <laughs> the horrible remake of Godzilla in the early 2000s. He gave you ID4, Independence Day. He gave you Stargate, which was awesome back when it was uh, him back in the day, um, killing it with Dean Devlin and their company, Centropolis. And then he had an out with Dean Devlin, and he made this 2012 movie, which is like, sorry to be rude, ladies, but the jag-off the stroke off of uh, Armageddon movies, just no plot. LA is blowing up. Everything's going to hell. Uh, John Cusack. I always call this movie Lloyd Dobler saves the world because John (laughs) Cusack's in this movie and he plays a lowly limo driver. His marriage is in shambles. He's with Amanda Pete. There's this basic bullshit plot that he's this family guy and he's a divorcee and he saves his family. And then it's just him and his family going from scene to scene to scene of CGI hell of shit collapsing, mountains collapsing, a little bit of dialogue here, volcano, you know, just scene after scene of destruction. Uh, it's a Transformers movie, basically. You know, this like blam, 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 blam plot, and then blam. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna play this really small clip of uh, Woody Harrelson, who's a doomsday guy, who he talks to, who basically lays it out for him. And uh, basically, every other scene of the movie is a Roland Emmerich uh, disaster sequence. So you just hear ah, ah. So. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to play you some dialogue 
and one of the dialogue scenes of 2012. I'll be right back, folks. Hi, um, do you mind if I join you? I there's I wanted to ask you something. Yeah, I only um, got a minute. Hey, pickle. No. I was listening to the broadcast. I was wondering what exactly is it that's going to start in Hollywood. It's the apocalypse. End of days. The judgment day. The end of the world, my friend. Christians called it the rapture, but the, the Mayans knew about it. The Hopis, the, uh, the I Ching, the Bible, kind of. Uh, beer? Yeah. So look, I got to eat. Why don't you download my blog? It's free. Of course, we do appreciate donations. In ancient times, the Mayan people were the first civilization to discover that this planet had an expiration date. According to their calendar, in the year 2012, a cataclysmic event will unfold caused by an alignment of the planets in our solar system that only happens every 640,000 years. Oh, not again. Basically zero earthquake activity in Southern California, which is very rare. Unlike many of the tough characters I have portrayed in my film. Hello? Okay, stop what you're doing. Jackson? Listen to me. I'm right in a plane. Pack up the kids. I'm going to be there in five plane? minutes. What are you... Okay, I'm going to cut it off right there because the rest is just like crash and stuff. But the <laughs> funny scene is at the end of that, you notice there is a guy they got uh, when Schwarzenegger was the governor of California. <laughs> Yeah, and they got a sound alike, and he's like, "Nothing is going to happen. It's okay." <laughs> <laughs> like horrendous Austrian accent. It's hilarious. It's so good. And then That's everything goes the, to shit. The best thing in the movie is that little part of you know what they're watching on TV, and then I think Woody Harrelson's character was amazing, and I was like, "What? He's gone? That that." bothered me because I felt like this could have been a whole other thing if he had stuck around. Uh, I don't have a bunch of notes on this movie except to say I felt like that the Curtis family, uh, they must have had like four leaf clovers up their butts or something because they literally go through every fucking kind of disaster you can possibly – like every kind of natural disaster that could possibly happen and they survive. And it's always oh, it's terrible. Just at the, yeah, it's like, what is the purpose of this film? Yeah, let's move on to your final film. We have a short time, but we need okay. to have your last link, and it's a very important film and a very good film. So my last film is linked through uh, Stephen Fry, and that is uh, 2005's V for Vendetta. Uh, directed by James McTeague. Um, so we're in a world where the U.S. is in the midst of a second civil war and Europe is suffering from a viral pandemic. Uh, there is a masked anarchist freedom fighter known as V who enlists the help of this woman named Evie in his fight against the neo fascist you know, totalitarian regime. Uh, that's, that's a lot to say. Uh, it's based on uh, a limited series of comic books by Alan Moore, who is one of my favorite uh, 
comic book creators of all time. So I knew I was going to love this movie even before I actually watched it. Uh, this is one of my favorite films of the early 2000s. Um, the cast is everything in this movie. Uh, Hugo Weaving steals the show as V. Uh, Natalie Portman, I think this may be the only movie I've ever watched with her in it that I actually liked her in. Uh, she's amazing as Evie. She goes through this transformation um, from just this television network employee into a like a freedom fighter. Like she learns so much uh, from Hugo Weaving's character. And then we also have uh, Stephen Ray and John Hurt. Like everybody is really good. Uh, Natalie Portman's accent goes off wobbly a little bit, but who cares? Um, this is a statement film, uh, and there's no mistaking that from the very opening lines that have the the story, uh, the the poem about about uh, Guy Fawkes. Like from that very beginning, you know this movie is is teaching you things, but it's done in a like compelling an entertaining way. It doesn't come off like super preachy, uh, but it is like, this is a very intelligent film and you got some really complex characters. Uh, the plot is very intricate. Like you've got to pay attention uh, and it looks beautiful. Uh, what's happening in this movie is so, it resonates so hard with what's happening right now that I feel like people this is a must watch. I agree. Um, my only last statement is that art always drives politics and politics always drives art. And it's, that's kind of what this film is. It really does. And you need to watch this movie um, no matter what side of the fence you think you're on, no matter what your uh, mentality is towards what's happening in the world now. It's an important film because it makes you think. And that's the important thing. This film, they live, don't be asleep. Think if you, whatever right. side you are on or whatever you believe and whatever you're passionate about, you just need to express it through art and that's going to help drive everything else. So uh, I want to thank you video vixen for coming back and doing six degrees of retro with me. It's been a grown a fun, deep, fun and deep episode, I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for having me back and I'm looking forward to doing more of these together. We've got the band Definitely. back together, man. We did. Everybody look us up on Instagram. Look uh video Vixen up, Trista Perez up on Instagram. Look me up, Hollywood Greg up on Instagram. And Hollywood Greg, on anywhere you find podcasts, you're going to be able to listen to this. Uh, we're going to take you out on the V for Vendetta trailer. Again, thank you, uh, Video Vixen, and we'll see you next episode. All right. Take it easy. Mwah. I wish I wasn't afraid all the time, but I am. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Those caught in violation of curfew will be prosecuted without leniency or exception. It's past curfew, you know. Hey! Have mercy. Oh, not tonight. Who 
are you? Gentlemen, I want this terrorist found. And I want him to understand what terror really means. We're working on several leads. Her parents were detained when she was 12. It was like those black bags erased them from the face of the earth. You have one chance. You must tell us the whereabouts of codename V. If our own government was responsible for the deaths of 100,000 people, you really want to know? <laughs> Those who are responsible will be held accountable. The time has come for you to live without fear. I'm ready. This country stands on the edge of oblivion. I hope everyone will remember why they need us. Kill him.